Welcome to the School of English podcast. My name is Hannah and I study English and history. My co-host today is Izzy and we have our current PhD student Maz as a guest who I'm so excited to interview. Thank you so much for joining us. So I've got my my first question is I know that you've studied at Sheffield throughout your kind of undergrad and your master's so why did you choose Sheffield in the first place and to return for your PhD? Um, I just loved it. I think the staff are great. I really, really had a good time on my undergrad on my master's. Um, I'd done a bit of research as well. So I'd gone to like Leeds and Edinburgh and Durham. Um, and I just didn't really get the same vibe that I got from Sheffield. Like the staff are just great. The students are great. Um, the campus is amazing. Um, and I think I, I had this idea for my PhD. I knew what I wanted to do. I really clicked with my supervisor. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite a lot of things really. It just kind of tick 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 really. Who who is your supervisor by the way? Remind me. Maddie Callahan. So yes. she is yeah a romant she's a romanticist um, but also um, modern and contemporary um, and just general poetry superstar. Oh, she's wonderful. Um, I'm going to hand over to Izzy for the next question now. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've kind of covered this a little bit already, but I'm sure you can expand because Sheffield's a great place. Um, what has studying in Sheffield meant for you and why did you decide on, on Sheffield in the first place? Um, I guess it's just like kind of, for me, three different phases of study. So when I was an undergrad, I, I had like a better social life than I do now. But I guess like just exploring um, the city and like, yeah, I think like finding out who I was because I mean I wasn't shy when I came to university but I definitely was kind of struggling to work out what I wanted to do where I wanted to go um, and I kind of tried to figure that out um, and I guess Sheffield I just kind of I arrived and it was amazing like I remember being there on the open day and just thought that the city's really cool it's bigger than Leicester um, there was loads of cafes there's loads of great places to eat um, yeah, so it was kind of a, a combination of things. Um, and then I guess English for me, I initially picked um, to study politics and law at LSE. Um, and then I thought, yeah, I know, curveball. I didn't think I, I was going to do English. That. Yes, I really, really wanted no, to become a politician or a lawyer. Um, but then like this one day, I just thought I love reading. Mm. So then, then I just decided English um, and I came to the open day. I loved like all of the people that did the talks. Um, I looked at the undergraduate prospectus and I thought these modules are great. Um, and then, yeah, it was pretty much like sign on the dotted line and off I go. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I too had the same thing where you just come here and you get that vibe and you're like, yes, definitely. Yeah. And I went to like, I went to Surrey um, so I went to Royal Holloway, I think I went to Warwick and I just didn't have that like immediate, I want to mm. be here. Whereas in Sheffield, it was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't know, even if you were a bit lonely when you first got here, like I know sometimes my friends are like, oh yeah, I can't be asked to do anything. But Sheffield's a great city for just like going yeah. out and doing things by yourself. You just yeah. Definitely. And I was like, yeah, so towards the end of, I guess, my undergrad, I kind of, I, I loved hiking I discovered the peak so I did I used to do that on my own all the time and it wasn't like a, oh no one would go with me it was just a I just loved doing it and then like yeah just being able to like come back and like write my dissertation I think I was working at the time 
um, and exploring like different parts of the city. So I just kind of, I'd gone to Kellam Island and that was kind of up mm. and coming. Then I ended up living in Kellam Island in my master's year. So yeah, a lot of it was quite kind of exploratory, but sort of helped me yeah further along and then obviously I do my PhD distance but come back to Sheffield obviously not the last year but come back to Sheffield like once every couple of months. Mm, yeah speaking of your PhD could you tell us a little bit more about your research and um, what inspired you to investigate that subject? Yeah I mean it's weird I was actually talking to my supervisor yesterday but everything I've written on at undergraduate and master's level is about nature and my PhD is on it's it's on dark pastoral which is sort of a derivative of, of a pastoral genre so farming nature being outside um and it's on the work of Wordsworth and Coleridge so Wordsworth I was weirdly obsessed with for a very long time uh, and that's why I sort of started writing on him and then um I discovered Coleridge and I was like what have I been doing with my life like why was I so obsessed with Wordsworth for like eight years um, but yeah, essentially, it's looking at collections of their poetry and seeing how this kind of the development of this subgenre um, happens or, or kind of, yeah, manifests. So I'm looking at short poems, long poems. Um, I guess the, my, the thing that I'm most proud of in terms of my PhD is the chapter that I wrote on narrative poems. So Coleridge is just crazy. Like he's on the opium absolutely love it um but yeah. yeah like the way that he works with narrative and the imagination is just fantastic so yeah I mean it's it's weird being at the other end and being able to kind of review um because I think the thing that initially kind of inspired me to do a PhD was I was just really really curious and it's the advice that I give anyone who wants to do a PhD I'm like just be 100% curious and just know that it's going to be hard <laughs> they're the two yeah. things um because if you sort of start and then you kind of lose steam it's really hard to pick yourself up and like I taught Hannah um you know I've taught on a on a module and I've done a couple of like amazing other things you know curriculum enhancement so for me it's like great when you know Hannah talks to me about film or she talks to me about intersectionality and I'm like I'm learning so much stuff but it fits in with what I'm doing as well so mm. yeah PhDs kind of give you that ability to kind of take your subject and it's kind of like I, I call it like fitting in with the pie just getting you know <laughs> slotting in and being like yeah this is what I'm doing what are you doing and finding that common ground mm, amazing yeah I mean I, I suppose you must have to be really curious and really motivated because you're also working at the same time um yes and how, how does your work kind of fit in with the PhD <laughs> Um, so I've always worked full time. I started off in international recruitment, which was a bit of a silly decision flying around the world, but it was a great experience. Um, in terms of how it fits around, I guess I've just done it so long that I've almost forgotten that I'm fitting it around. So like I'll work in like the evenings and the weekends and like obviously any holiday time that I have is usually spent on my PhD. Um, it's not easy. Sometimes I think the gear change I find really difficult because a PhD is very, I suppose, isolating in a way, but it's kind of self, self-initiated, whereas my work is quite reactive. So at BPS, I'm very much kind of processing documentation. I do accreditation visits. So a lot of the, um, I suppose, activity comes, comes from external sources, whereas when it's my PhD, I have to really get in the zone. Um, I think one of the things I've learned is that not to overdo it so I think people are scared I think a lot 
of the time to self under PhD because it is it's hard work it's not easy at all you know some days I get up and I'm like oh I really can't be bothered but there's also for me like a weird sadist <laughs> angle that like I enjoy doing it that way because I feel like I've earned I'm gonna have earned my PhD and it will have been hard but it doesn't matter because like I'm 29 and I'll be a doctor like I think that's fantastic and I've done like something that's really original and interesting sorry I just had a realization that you are going to be Dr Maz and that is beautiful (laughs) makes me so happy I'm not sure that I'm gonna use doctor that much but it is a nice it's a nice little one I think you should do it yeah yeah definitely I just feel like if anybody needed me to actually do like CPR that it would be awful, oh, you know, to be like, you're a doctor, well. not that kind of doctor, darling, Other not literature. a medical doctor, yeah. I think it's a fun power play, like, I have an auntie who has a PhD, and sometimes people are rude to her and, like, call her Miss Foster or whatever, and she's just like, no, it's Dr. Foster. Oh, yes, not get Dr. more yeah. of that, thank yes. you, yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether I'll change anything, but yeah, it, it is definitely something to be proud of. Um, and obviously, like I, one of the best things about my PhD has been teaching, like meeting students that are passionate, you know, meeting students that are, you know, like me, like I was not, I was not getting first, you know, I was close to getting a first, but I was not getting first. And, you know, to see that development in other students, because, you know, I suppose the aspiration is that you want to get a first, you want to be amazing, but for me, it's like the growth that, you know, I got a 2-1, I got a distinction on my master's and now I'm doing a PhD, but I wasn't like a traditional, you know, I didn't just get it. Like there were a lot of my peers that were getting first and I felt felt slow or kind of, you know, yeah, like I didn't, I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't performing very well. And then you kind of realize, no, do you know what? Like charting that transformation and seeing like how far I've come and like seeing how my students are receptive and responsive and like actually want to talk to me it's like really really nice Mm. yeah definitely I think at the end of the day the most important thing is like being motivated and being curious Mm. so yeah definitely and motivating others you know like Mm. if somebody's struggling like just being there like a 10 minute phone call and being like hey it's cool I've been through this you know it's okay Mm. it's totally normal it's part of the process because I think for English graduates and actually just humanities and arts graduates there isn't that kind of statistical clarity you know that you might get with STEM subjects and I think a lot of the time you find yourself with a pool of ideas but then articulating that is actually really difficult and I think that's something that I mean I was telling Hannah yesterday it's something I haven't learned until like the last year that it's actually fine to have you know periods of time where you don't get it or you're struggling to put things into words like it's not an easy subject and I think I think that is forgotten sometimes in the world of work that actually like yes STEM subjects are great you know they've helped progress society but if we don't have ideas like innovation can't happen and conversations can't happen you know yeah definitely like a lot of people are like oh well what they they kind of look down on humanities Mm, mm. you're like well you try write an essay come on (laughs) I know and and also like like Hannah's writing on intersectionality and Mm -hmm. we were talking yesterday about it and I was saying look Hannah you know what you're doing is not easy you're taking something that is cross-sectional lens and you're trying to look at texts that are you know, very current, very recent. And that's a really difficult thing to do. You know, mm. not a lot of people would do that. But yes, other people can be doing intersectionality, but they're not, they've not picked those texts 
and like even with myself like pastoral it's incredibly difficult nobody writes about it because of that reason like they just can't be bothered to write about it or you know maybe that isn't it's not trendy um but for me it's like acknowledging that it is hard work but that hard work pays off and like like I said like that chapter on narrative poems I'm now like I can actually say to people you know I wrote on something that people write about in the same vein for years and years and years but I've actually brought something different to it and that again when you get into the world of work it's about perspective it's about saying hey why don't we do this differently like you know maybe we can have a conversation about this to try and tease out you know the things that are problematic um and I think yeah that that is sometimes difficult to get out of a humanities degree um particularly from like a careers and employability perspective like mm-hmm. trying to identify those skills and say hey you know I've written a dissertation and it was hard work but you know I got communication skills out of it I got conflict management skills out of it you know I learned how to manage my time like these are all really important things that I think yeah sometimes they're not always kind of taught to to value from a humanities degree definitely also put in a little input and saying finding a PhD student as a friend has been the best decision of my career (laughs) by far I love Maz. She's you're such Aww. a little hype man as I and I'm sure as you've just done for that entire section. As yeah, it's it's been fantastic. But um yeah, you, you offer so much perspective as well, especially as a you know, like as a PhD student being in the same subject and vision as all of us. It's just so nice to see that you can like you can get where you want to be even if you're not achieving like a first in your undergrad or if you're struggling it's so nice to see that and be able to know that I I can do it too and Maz is absolutely (laughs) absolutely and I think that's the thing is that sometimes things like a PhD seems so alien it seems so difficult it seems so far away and like when I was 20 I didn't even think I'm going to be doing a master's but like I talked to Hannah, Hannah's doing, you know, considering um, doing a master's in international relations, you know, I've worked in like international development, like the, the, and and this kind of goes back to the whole self-funding and working in a job, like I can give Hannah perspective and I can say, Hannah, look, this is totally going to be worth it. And, you know, just because you're going down a different avenue doesn't mean you can't come back and, you know, maybe do a master's or go on to a PhD, Mm. but I think it's, yeah. And, I suppose like for Hannah and, and Chelsea and like some of the students that, that I've taught, it's it's being in that kind of, I suppose, that age range where you can say, you know, I wasn't long where you are. And actually not all lecturers fit a certain stereotype. Like, you know, we do wear red lipstick and we do wear Doc Martens, you know, like we are yeah. cool. Like, but, you know, it's about finding exactly like, yeah. Cool finding someone you can relate to and I think like even like through teaching like I always said this Hannah and Chelsea were very very quiet in seminars but when I go and chat to them they'd be amazing I have loads of ideas but there was this apprehension of like oh I'm not sure I'm not sure if I want to say stuff and I'm like in the world of work you you're gonna have to go out and say what you think even if people disagree with you and eventually both of them were really good at you know saying their ideas and kind of vocalizing it but sometimes you just we need someone to say eventually. you did you did but sometimes we came around eventually sometimes you just need someone to say it's fine it's a safe space you know nobody's gonna bite your head off and you guys had some amazing ideas and your essays were really great and you know I wouldn't just say that because I think you're both great students but I think part of your role as, as a PhD student is to like inspire and motivate other students well that's kind of how I think about it 
She's so lovely. I'll I'll pass that to Izzy, but thank you very much. I just put ego boost there. That is so just lovely. totally like sending like, compliments oh, my way. Thank you. <laughs> well, that, I'll pass it to pass it back to Izzy. You you've kind of I guess um, spoken a bit about personal development within that that whole uh, that whole bit, um, and that was great. Um, so I'm I'm just going to combine the next two questions to Izzy. Yeah. Um, so yeah I was talking about personal development and also within that uh, talking about how to kind of create boundaries and maintain that time for yourself because I know in first year I was working like a maniac and my boyfriend had to sit me down and say to me like Izzy you cannot work like this like yeah no you can't do that so do you have any kind of advice for people who are uh, struggling to make time for themselves and how you set those boundaries and yeah that is that is that like an undergrad master's phd level like any 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 level I suppose yeah um i think for me the thing that has been really important is just literally taking like a week off and doing nothing like it mm. sounds so basic but i think for me pre-covid obviously holidays were a big thing i did that a lot because i needed to get away from my hectic life um but i also think that there is you have to acknowledge that you can't do everything and also i think sometimes like for me it sounds a bit crazy but my best working hours are like 5 a.m to like 10 a.m so sometimes i will like like my work are really flexible and they say you can start whenever so sometimes i'll start later but i will take that five hours and i will be very disciplined in those five hours and say right i need to do xyz but then i won't do that seven days a week i'll do that maybe two or three times a week and kind of give myself breathing room so um what I was doing pre-covid was I was I actually like factored in activities so I would go to like Pilates and pottery and you know baking club and I would do all of these things that I enjoyed and not cut out my hobbies because mm. that was the thing that I did at the beginning of my PhD and it just made me miserable um but yeah I think like just pursuing your hobbies um give like sometimes it's as simple as like being you know being like getting a salt lamp and like reading a good book and getting a nice candle it sounds really cliche and I hate being that person but that is what I do like mm. that's how I chill out you know I hike a lot um and like I suppose keeping keeping variety both in and outside of your academic life because sometimes you can write and write and write and it's just awful and that's because you've not got any stimulation you know you're just sitting in front of a laptop and probably the same as like you Izzy when your boyfriend probably saw you he's probably like "Can you need to step yeah. away from the computer you, you know exactly. step away from the books <laughs> yeah because I think and I think a lot of the time because of the way our programs are structured in that we're not in labs you know we're not in you know we're not in sessions with students constantly or we're not in you know yeah. have guest speakers every week like we have a lot more freedom with our time which is equal parts scary and liberating um but yeah i think just being and also like just asking other people what they do you know for me like at my one of my really good friends kathleen she lives in america she's a doctor and i'd like ring her up and be like kath i'm really stressed out and she'd be like honey Dear Barbara, go and get some cake. And and I needed her to say that. Do you know what I mean? Like I needed her yeah. to be that savage. Um, because I wouldn't do it to myself in a way. I would just keep going. Um, but sometimes you just need that crazy. Yeah, definitely. You do. Um 
but yeah was that was that and then oh you're talking about like setting boundaries weren't you the, I think yeah you have to be again it's something that I'm pretty adamant about now I think you have to be very you know I think you have to be quite tough with yourself in terms of like when you're responding to emails because I have my job which I do and then I have like I have my students I have um, curriculum enhancement stuff I've got my doctoral program modules like there are loads of things that I have to do and I have to say to myself right Tuesday Thursday and Saturday we're doing no work that is it like you will go to work at half seven you will finish at half four and you will go for a walk or you will bake on those days or you will go hiking with your friends like and I think it's so important to set boundaries because we always talk about work-life balance and I really feel like we're getting to a point now particularly with COVID and like digital engagement where it's like oh I'll just do another zoom call oh I'll just do another google hangouts mm. and that's not healthy um and I think seeing family, like my family have no clue what I'm doing. They think I'm writing a 100,000 word poem. Um, so just <laughs> getting perspective and, you know, sometimes my brother will come in and be like, right, Maz, there's two tubes of Jaffa cakes. And I'm like, right. And he's like, race you to the finish line. And I'm like, yeah, I'm 29. I'm going to do that with you. I'm going to take an hour out. We're going to feel yeah, sick together. Course. And then we're going to watch Fight Club together, mm. you know. But it sounds like really silly things. But my brother gives me perspective, you know. And he, he can see if I'm stressed because I'm not an external stressor, but I will be, I'll go quite quiet. So he'll kind of say, right, I think we need to go for a bike ride. And we just go with the Jaffa cakes. Yeah, yeah. I have the same thing where my boyfriend will come and be like, right, let's go find some cats. I'm like, okay. Cats. <laughs> But you need to, and it is, it's really difficult. Yeah. I feel like, say you're a medic, you know, your chill out time comes in the like two weeks that you have off because everything's really, really intense. Whereas if you're an English student, I feel like, and I feel like people don't sometimes respect the fact that reading is hard work. Mm. Reading, you know, critical material, like Hannah and I were talking about this, like it's intense. You can't just read, you know, it's not like reading a novel where you can just, you know, coast through it like reading is an intense process and you know allowing time for yourself to digest what you've read to synthesize information like that's really important and, and often that happens when you're doing things not related to the work yeah definitely. that's been so i have a couple questions i think i'll, I'll ask yes. my last two questions i think so either because i know i know there are quite a few poets who you like but i did put william yes. wordsworth yeah do you have any good facts about william wordsworth to tell me about he lived really really long time i mean coleridge is more interesting because <laughs> he was on the apium like Coleridge, I can give you loads of hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah, the crazy. Coleridge was high like all the time, and all of his best poems, you can tell he's intoxicated. And particularly, this is advice for anyone who's interested in in the man. But he he would write. So he's got a series of notebooks that he wrote throughout his life. Mm -hmm. But he would write just hilarious things. So like he would sit at night. Um, and he'd just write like crazy, crazy stuff in his notebooks. And then he'd produce like the most amazing poems. So like when he wrote Kubla Khan the night, the night before he was intoxicated and he basically gets up and he just recites this poem. And then he just goes out on the farm, meets this guy, comes back, writes it down. And it's like this amazing hit. And I'm just like, guys, like I do, ne I never get this level of inspiration. Like it takes me so long to write <laughs> stuff. But, but yeah, he's, he's a great... I prefer Coleridge now to Wordsworth because I feel like 
Wordsworth had a really long life and he produced some really mm-hmm. amazing poetry. But Coleridge is just fun. Like you just never know what you're gonna get. He's just yeah, just he's hilarious. Anything could happen. Yeah, and he's very sounds- like it, it's he's almost slapstick in that he'll kind of yeah. he'll kind of produce something. So he produces this um he produces a play called Asorio and he, he he's really adamant that this is gonna be the next hit. And then it's not, it just kind of falls on its feet. And, and in his what? notebooks, he's like, can you believe? And you're like, well, yeah, I can believe. Can you possibly believe? I know, and it's just <laughs> hilarious. So badly. And he, yeah, like he writes a poem after he, um, his wife like throws boiling milk on his leg and he writes this <laughs> poem and it's like, she doesn't do it on purpose. It's an accident. Well, I think it's an accident. But yeah, he's just, just really hilarious. Um, but yeah. yeah. Good. Well, good man i see i can see why you enjoy the poetry now he's oh my god he's great yeah. anybody Co- in poetry get on coleridge <laughs> you've got to admire that good level job. of self-confidence to be like oh, oh the, the audacity <laughs> the audacity is just brilliant people. just yeah. absolutely brilliant and and i think as well because he was in wordsworth's shadow for a lot of the time he kind of mm. yeah he kind of like felt like you know he just had to support him in a kind to of be more yeah, like he supported him as an editor, and I feel like yeah, he didn't really yeah he didn't really have his his kind of his name like promoted as much. But but yeah, he's a hilarious guy. Really recommend reading his notebooks if you're ever bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks. I'll definitely do that. I'm gonna hand over to Izzy now for a good little wrap up. Yeah, well, thanks for talking to us, Miles. That's been um, really great. I've enjoyed it so much, and I'm, I know Hannah has as well. Um, so much so much also i'll just i'll just ask one question before we go yes what how, can you describe your best recent baked goods because i know maz is an Ooh. avid baker and he loves um, it. i like two things so the lint brownies are a oh, big yes. hit really Beautiful. great and i made an elderflower and cherry blossom cake Ooh. which was amazing wow. with like it was like elderflower cake cherry mousse and then fresh cherries on the top it was oh, delightful. I want to yeah. be in your house. You sound quite like I mean, your house. it's just this is what I do now. I can bake. This is what a PhD does to you. It makes you bake. But my mum's always like, yeah, my mum's always like, right, we need to get rid of the sugar, mass. It's not good for us. So it's like equal parts cake and green juice. So beautiful. <laughs> it's all fun again. Balances up. <laughs>